Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Well, hi there. Welcome back. I'll tell you what, I've got plenty of education stories here, lots of audio as well, and a few rants that, uh, that I think are unfortunately highlighting a much larger generational problem that, of course, is going on right now with numerous generations, but certainly the younger generation. And we know that the brainwashing is happening with American youth and has been for quite some time, and this is part of the programming. Per usual, of course, I also have some jab-related things. But uh, here's where I want to start. I want to start with the Maui fires in Hawaii. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, it's pretty clear that these are directed energy weapons. And you cannot have trees standing next to buildings where the building is completely destroyed and demolished, and yet the tree is still standing and has leaves on it. This um, this is beyond evident, I think. And of course, there are numerous individuals, and I'll put these videos again on my on my war video. But there are endless people uh, again who are there who are testifying to what they are seeing and what's going on and why it's happening the way that it's happening, and how the the, the government has always wanted to control the land, but the land has been the land itself has been controlled by families and generations of families. And then, of course, with homes being destroyed the way that they've been, and even specified fires being set in very odd patterns, I'm just not sure it can get any more obvious that this is a direct energy weapon. They exist. And there's a particular website here where I want to take you to, and I'm not going to read through it. I'll I'll let you do that. It's fantastic. Uh, It is titled The Marshall Report. So it is dianemarshallreport.com. I recommend bouncing over there and checking it out. She does a great job of showing pictures and videos, describing psychological warfares, what they really mean, what they, what their purpose is, how they are an actual thing, and of course are designed also for nefarious reasons, to trick people into believing that one thing is happening when something else is happening. And uh, yeah, endless examples here, but most, most of it again has to do with Maui and what's going on at Maui. So, you know, again, even the people that live there have clearly said there was no hurricane. There were no winds. You can't have boats on fire in the water if there's not some direct energy weapon occurring. Again, why would a boat in the middle of, of the ocean be set on fire when it's off the land? How, how, does, that, how does that happen? And again, the the trees next to buildings and the plastic buckets next to buildings and the fences, the wood fences next to buildings, the fence is fine, but the building is destroyed. It's it's pretty clear as to what's happening here. It's happened everywhere. It's happened in the United States, California, Canada. These Again, these direct energy weapons are real. And uh, I, I would just encourage people to, again, look into that and learn what those are if you're unfamiliar. But again, this website is dianemarshallreport.com, and I highly recommend bouncing over there and checking that out. Okay, right into education-related things. A couple of headlines here right off the top. Um, This, of course, is a follow-up from a story from months ago now, but uh, it had to do again with that black student, black elementary student who shot the white female teacher in the stomach. He was six years old, of course, is not being charged with anything. And uh, it's been stated here now that the 
boy told a staff member, apparently, he said, quote, I did it. And then he admitted later on and he said, quote, I got my mom's gun last night. He said, I shot that bitch dead. The boy allegedly said. A couple of things here just very quickly. Again, he, he didn't kill her, thank God. But uh, he, he, of course, again, isn't being charged, and he should. He should see the inside of a jail. There's no doubt about that. I don't care how young a person is. They should be inside of a jail for committing a crime. Um, with that said, she is suing the school district, and she will most certainly win. There's no doubt about that. Her career is over. Um, but fortunately, again, she's she's not dead, and and she's going to make it. Either way, you know this is going to traumatize her the rest of her life, and the fact that the kid is getting off scot free is, well, I think a much larger problem. I fully understand too, and I think that it's worth mentioning again that if the roles were reversed in any way, and this were a white student who had shot a black teacher, they'd probably throw the book at him. Again, I'm I'm making an assumption here, but. It's possibly a safe assumption. I fully understand, again, that they're using his age as the excuse and saying, well, he's six. There's nothing we can do. You know, we, we can't prosecute a six-year-old. But you can put him in juvenile detention. I mean, that can happen. He can be under close supervision. Of course, he's not allowed back into the school, you have to assume. But either way, it, it really does make you wonder. If the shoe was on the other foot, would the, would the outcome be completely different? But there was this also, which I think is worth mentioning too, because again, fortunately, the the right thing did happen in this particular case. This is Conroe ISD employee, it says, is out of a job as video of attack on student makes the rounds. Now, again, this is a black male employee. He was on the bus at the front of the bus, and a large white student approaches him. I'm not sure what was going on before the recording uh, or even after the recording, but either way, Almost immediately, without even laying a hand on the black employee, the white student is attacked by the black employee and is hit over the head with some kind of a, I don't know what it was, some kind of a thing, like a lanyard or something. Either way, um, the white kid falls to the ground and is lying there, sort of in disbelief, I, I think, as to what's going on. And then the black teacher, again, is threatening him and saying, don't put your hands on me, blah, blah, blah. And it didn't look like he touched him at all. Either way, the white kid stands up and starts to walk back toward the back of the bus where the kid is filming. And you can clearly see that he has a laceration on, uh, on the right side of his head where he was struck by the teacher or the school employee. Again, I don't know exactly what position they held. Either way, this is an interesting dynamic, too, because this is one of those things that happens within the environment with regularity where the teacher will attack a student, and it does happen unprovoked. Uh, I mean, endless videos of this, of course, existing on the internet and uh, numerous instances of it occurring that never make their way to the internet, but students are wise to witness such an event and then encourage their peer, the, the, the minor in the situation, the student, to not hit the teacher back. Because in almost every situation, of course, the teacher is criminally charged and fired. And then, of course, they lose their certification and they're out of the business completely. That's what the person suggested on the bus who was actually doing the filming. He said, don't hit him, don't hit him. He's going to lose his job. He's going to get fired. Don't hit him. And the, and the white kid, again, showed a lot of restraint. Again, I don't know what happened after, after the filming. 
because you just see the uh, you just see the brief physical altercation. But either way, it it is something that takes place with regularity. In fact, there are t- plenty of teachers who will egg on a student, and plenty of students who will egg on a teacher for the sole purpose of getting a reaction out of a teacher, in particular a physical reaction, in the effort of again catching it on a cell phone in order to get the teacher fired. This teacher clearly had it coming. There's no doubt about that. And I'm certainly not making any excuses for him. Uh, He doesn't belong anywhere in the business. I mean, nobody belongs in the business. But he certainly doesn't. He's a child abuser. Um, Yeah. And again, race-related, maybe. little aggression there, uh, you know, brought up as a result of different races going toe-to-toe, possibly. But who's to say? Either way, he's gone. And that's good enough for me. So those were just kind of two little follow-up things that took place this last week that I wanted to make mention of. Um, There's this now, and this is a weird one. But this too, again, is a perfect example of why the entire education business is doing its absolute level best to cover its tracks. The excuses that the education business uses with regularity as to why teachers are leaving the business are typically always the same. But what we know now, in particular over the last three years, has everything to do with child abuse. It has everything to do with a lack of interest in the profession at the foundational level, the teacher education level. And of course, the giant elephant in the room, the fact that endless teachers are sick from the jabs that the entire profession pressured endless people to take those bioweapon shots, and now they're, uh, they're paying the price for it. That last variable, however, is the one that will not be brought up and continues to not be brought up. So I'm going to play the audio from this local story, and this was out of Missouri, if memory serves. Oh, I'm sorry, it's from the Associated Press, but it was specifically from uh, Springfield, Massachusetts, is what they're referencing here. And I have to tell you also that I take a completely different take, I think, than the former teachers that are highlighted within this news story, because this is one of those stories that gets run almost every single year. And it certainly has for quite some time, but definitely over the last three years. They'll pull aside people that they call teachers or say that they were former teachers, and they may not actually be. They could very well just be actors, but either way, they pull people aside and they'll say, So you used to be a school teacher, so what do you do now? And then they claim to be in a different kind of profession where they're making a whole lot more money and whatever else. I can't tell you how infrequent that is. It's very rare for a former educator to leave the profession and then go do something else that pays them way more. That's typically not how it goes. One of them, for example, claims to be a dog walker in New York and makes six figures a year. I don't believe that. Another person highlighted in this story, which you'll hear, she claims that, again, she was a school teacher. Now she's a flight attendant, and she enjoys it even more and makes even more money as a flight attendant. Sorry. I, I can't think of a worse job right now than being a flight attendant. And, <laughs> again, it's possible she makes more. I'm not doubting that. But it, it being a happier job, I don't think so. And then the other person claims, again, that he and his wife are... Uh, well, I don't know what they are, anti-education consultants, or they, you know, they, they try to help former educators find work in, in other professions. Again, I'm not saying that that can't happen. I, I'm certain that it does, but 
I just know for a fact that the news runs these stories with regularity because, again, they don't want people to just think that former school teachers just disappear out of nowhere. Um, again, it's it's remarkably rare that they would find them uh, find their way basically into another line of work that pays them a whole lot more. So, give this story a listen here, and I'll jump in on the other end. They lead the drills against active shooters. Even get shot by students themselves. This is not an accidental shooting. And deal with a whole lot of bad behavior. They know they're not going to be uh, given after-school detention. They're not going to be suspended. Yet teachers have their own unique reasons for calling it quits. Teaching no longer felt like a safe environment. It just becomes such a beatdown that you feel like you can't you can't keep up. This is what I'm going to do to make myself happier. Michael Josephs left his teaching position at a private school in New York's financial district for a job in dog walking. I was in a classroom with no windows. So it was like, it was nice to be outside. And if I was having a tough moment, I could breathe and like look around and remind myself like I have, I'm out on a walk, I'm in the park, I have light, I'm near the water. And like, that's relaxing. His business, Parkside Pups in Brooklyn, not only affords him time in the fresh air, but it comes with a raise from $50,000 to six figures. To be totally honest, I love doing this. The lack of support from home is, is tremendous. Barbara Burke left teaching after 11 years in Texas classrooms. Many states seeing even more severe shortages in staffing, like the Southeast and Wisconsin. What role you're going to be for the day? Are you counselor? Are you therapist? Are you, do you just get to be a teacher? Are you the copy repairman? The burnout so great, Burke initially took a pay cut to be a flight attendant, a profession also known to be frenetic. A lot of the teaching skills carry over to the airplane very smoothly. Um, it's amazing that the, how the looks still communicate the same messages. There's very little upper mobility in teaching. Former teacher Zach Long knows how eager some educators are to leave the classroom. After they both resigned, he and his wife started their life after teaching consulting business to help others hang up the grade book. Teachers in our group have been physically assaulted by a student or a parent. Um, we've had teachers who have been poisoned by students. We have teachers whose health uh, mental health and physical health have been deteriorating because of the long hours and the stress. Pay, long hours, lack of support, and student behavior, all cited as reasons for resigning, walking away from a profession that was once so loved. We're doing really well, and the company's gotten huge. The wave's been created, and I'm riding it. Seeing that little spark of when they get something and it just it clicks, that's greatly missed. And the money factor is significant. Barbara Burke says she now makes more as a flight attendant and doesn't have to work summers at a golf course. Now, along with all the vacant positions, researchers say about 163,000 positions have now been filled by underqualified teachers. Nicole. Oh, yeah, that's not good. Okay, Nancy, thank you for that. I have no doubt that a lot of what was said there is accurate. I'm certain of that. But again, at its foundation, and really it is a foundational issue, is that the entire environment is based on lies. It's based on constant lies. And then the policies, of course, that accompany those lies, and then the manipulation that accompanies the policy, and the inconsistency, and the this, that, and the other. It is not an accountable environment. 
And as a result, if you don't have an environment that is holding individuals accountable for doing the wrong thing, while again, discouraging individuals from doing the right thing, that right there creates the disconnect that causes a massive disinterest. And then of course, the mental and emotional decline of the people who work within the environment. I've been over that at length. It too, of course, stretches into another issue, which I'll bring up a little later when it comes to, for example, Dr. Tenpenny recently having her medical license uh, suspended, is that the profession itself, in, in particular in education, they do not care what degrees you have. They do not care what you have learned. They do not care what you do know. They don't care. They don't even care what you've read or what you read or what you've written and what is important to you. If that were true, and they in, in diversity, quote unquote, was really the thing that they cared about, they would ask you these things in an interview, but they don't. You're not going to enter a K-12 environment today and have them ask you any of those kinds of questions about those kinds of subjects. They won't do it. They don't care about the individual school teacher. They don't care about individualism. They care about collectivity. They want everybody to be the same because they are communists by design. That's, that's the entire point. I know I've been repetitive on that, and I know that you all know that already, but that's not going away. And these individuals getting out of the profession, again, it's not burnout. It's a complete disconnect from reality. That continues to be the problem. The people who remain in the business are, again, as I've said before on numerous occasions, the most brainwashed. And I'm talking about the classroom teachers themselves within, within these environments. If they knew the truth about numerous subjects, they would tell it to their students because their conscience would kick in. In particular, if what they learn about the very subject matter that they teach, if they come to grips with the fact that what they were taught, as students, when the teacher was, was younger, was fraudulent and not accurate, they would have no choice but to, but to tell the truth. But if you tell the truth in a school environment, it counteracts exactly what exists within textbooks and curriculum, which means someone's going to complain, which means you're going to lose your job. It is an environment that props up lying more so than most environments. Yes, the medical profession, we know that, and lawyers and you know endless other lines of work but it really is the foundational problem of it being an environment that perpetuates lies and wants people to work in those environments who again don't know any better because the moment you know better well they don't want you around anymore so that's why the that's just another example as to why the business is going to cease to exist in the future and it's happening right now again you heard her say Hundreds of thousands or well over 100,000 vacancies exist nationwide, and this is just according to one person. I'm sure it's way worse than that. And at the exact same time, they're saying that they're filling those positions with people who are not qualified. Well, what does that mean, not qualified? As far as government is concerned, qualification simply means you're a certified teacher and you have a heartbeat. As long as you're alive and you have that teeny little piece of paper that says you can teach, in that state, as a, as a licensed certified educator, that's all they're really interested in. You don't even have to speak fluent English to get hired as, a, as, as an American school teacher. That's, that's the state of affairs. 
And again, this is not a winning business model. It just isn't. Now, as it turns out, the article itself is a whole lot more descriptive and a lot longer than the video that I just played. You know, they'll, they'll reference Sandy Hook and they'll say, well, the Sandy Hook thing took a toll on me. And just seeing all these school shootings just really takes a toll. And then we have to do all these shooting drills and we don't like it and X, Y, Z. They have no idea they're being lied to. No one died at Sandy Hook. I've been over that. No one died in, these, in, in most of these school shootings. They're all fake. They're all scripts. But they do whatever they can to get the public to believe it. And they want the area schools around them to believe it. They want endless schools across the nation to believe it. I mean, the Sandy Hook thing itself was such a monster when it came to school policy. That right there changed everything. It changed everything. I mean, by that point, the vast majority of schools already had security cameras. But isn't it funny that at Sandy Hook, there were no security cameras? Well, what school back then didn't have security cameras? Again, I taught in FEMA trailers when I first started being a school teacher. We had security cameras in FEMA trailers. But Sandy Hook Elementary didn't have, didn't have uh, their internet hooked up and they didn't have security cameras? Why is that? Because it wasn't a school. It was a book depository. They just held school supplies in there. Again, there were no students in there. The whole thing was fake. But this is the problem, is that people don't think about these things and they don't investigate on their own, and they don't look into it, and they just blindly believe what's on their TV, and then the impact that that has on their mental and emotional frame, in particular, as a school teacher, as an employee, and consistently going back into that environment, it's like sandpaper on the brain and sandpaper on the soul. It's just going to wear them away and wear them down. And yeah, it doesn't surprise me. The last three years alone should have done it. Again, you know, I've I've beat this to death, beat this horse to death. Look how many people just abused children over the last three years. School-sanctioned abuse. It's completely allowed now. Completely allowed. That leads me to this, actually. And this is a piece of audio that I want to play that I, I personally think is remarkably disturbing for a variety of reasons. The lying, of course, that's gone on within the school environment, as we know, has a direct impact on the actions and behaviors and mental and emotional frame of mind of, of the minor and of the American child. The mind of the American child is being destroyed. And unfortunately, and this is a big unfortunate thing, is that you can destroy the mind of a child and the child has no idea that their mind is being broken. Much like all of us who are born into this matrix, we have, to, we have to learn to unplug ourselves from that matrix. And if we don't, we're not going to make it. The audio that I'm going to play here is from the most recent local school board meeting during the public comments section, where a sophomore, I believe she's a sophomore, a sophomore in high school comes up to the microphone and she starts to complain about the reduction of particular programs that she has enjoyed as a student, like talented and gifted programs and uh, STEM programs and all this other nonsense. And I'll get into why, again, those programs are complete and utter horseshit a little bit later. But I want, I want you to hear her first and ask yourself a couple of things. How knowledgeable do you think this person really is? That's kind of number one. I feel bad for her because, again, she's completely brainwashed. 
totally brainwashed. This is a person who believes that these institutions need to exist and that her participation in these institutions hinges on her success or healthy frame of mind in the future, and she could not be further from the truth. She couldn't be more wrong. But she speaks for the entire time. And again, I just want you to hear what she says and then consistently ask yourself, when you were in high school, would you have said these things? Would you have come up to a microphone at a school board meeting and expressed your thoughts? I'm not saying that this girl is courageous for what she's saying. I'm not saying that at all. In fact, she's not. She's foolish. And she sounds foolish. Now, she's articulate. And she can speak English, which is great. But what she's saying, she has no idea that she's actually supporting her short-term and long-term destruction. So here's her audio, and here's what she says at this local school board meeting, keeping in mind that what happens and what is happening within this local school board and this local school district where I live is that they are in financial dire straits as most are. And so they're cutting numerous programs, and then they're threatening to falsely cut other programs just to piss off the public who are still chained to this entire system. And and they're doing whatever they can as school board members to manipulate the people so that they get more people, so they think, to vote for an upcoming levy this November for, you know, more money to tax more people. It's not going to pass. It just won't pass. So for the next few months, what you're going to hear out of all of these school board meetings across the United States is a bunch of parents screaming and yelling about why all their programs are being cut. Meanwhile, the homeschooling families laughing their asses off because they have nothing to do with any of this whatsoever. So here is this poor little brainwashed teenager in three, two, one. And I'm a sophomore at Talawanda. I've gone to Talawanda for the entirety of my education. Last fall, I was heartbroken when the levy failed and I was further disappointed to see some of what has been prioritized versus what has been cut dealing with administration versus some of our other staff at the school district. A couple months ago, the elementary school gifted program was cut and now the STEM program at the elementary school level is also gone. I know a lot of kids who really benefited from both of those programs, including my siblings and myself when I was younger. And um, those programs meant a lot to a lot of kids. I'm absolutely aware that cuts have to happen. I know that's something we can't avoid at this point. But um, what I'm confused about is why we're cutting so much staff that is working directly with the kids, doing so much hands-on work with them, and why the administration that is directly above those positions is tending to stay the exact same. Um, We are paying a gifted coordinator when our entire gifted staff at the elementary school level is gone. We've lost some incredible educators like Mr. Heilman, who was working directly with the kids. Another example is our sports teams. We've seen a cut of an entire sports team, the field hockey team, causing us to lose 20, 25 female athletes. I'm a member of the cross-country team. This week, I have to pay to play like the people on all the other sports teams. I understand that that is part of the cuts, but we're asking families to pay hundreds of dollars for their kids to play a sport, and we're not being informed 100% about what all of that money is going to specifically. 
However, the athletic director position has not been changed at all. The salary is still the same. The job is remaining the same. While our coaches who are working directly with us every day, every week, and putting in so much of their time don't have the promise that their job as a coach won't be cut and that our team won't be cut at some point in time. And there's still other things that we're seeing. Counselors at the elementary level, we have cut so many that we only have one for all three schools, all 1,500 kids. The French classes at the high school are going to leave. We're seeing the possibility of gym, music, and art leaving at the elementary level. And it's really sad that we keep prioritizing certain administrative positions over the other positions at the school and making sure that those salaries remain the same while some coach, coaches, teachers that are working directly with us on a daily basis don't have that same promise of a job and a salary that stays consistent because they're the ones that teach us, guide us, work with us, and help us every year, every week, every day. And yet, seconds, and yet it seems like they're still the first ones on the chopping block when there's something to cut. Thank you so much. Again, there's a lot here. <laughs> you know, in all seriousness, there's a, there's a lot here. So I'm going to do my best to kind of go through this. Again, first of all, when was the last time you heard Again, in particular, when we were younger, when did you hear a school-age student say, you know, I was heartbroken that the levy didn't pass? I mean, nobody says that. No one says that. It's evident that she's just a political mouthpiece for her parents, and her parents are feeding her a boatload of lies and leading her down a path that is not going to be good. She, of course, makes mention of talented and gifted programs and how they have helped her and her, her brothers and sisters or whatever and some of her friends, and she's sad that that's going away at the elementary level. Same thing with the STEM program and blah, blah, blah. Let me break those two particular things down first. And this is something that that young student has no idea about. Not to mention, of course, she's old enough to read and write. You know my take on that. And she's running for the cross-country team, and frankly, well, if she's jabbed, she has no business running at all. But with all of that aside, let me focus in a little bit on the STEM and Talented and Gifted program. And this is not a leap, ladies and gentlemen. This is truly in the same tree of, of corruption and manipulation that exists within the world, and people have a very hard time wrapping their head around this. When we went to school, there were no STEAM, STEM, STEAM Plus, XYZ programs. They didn't exist. And they didn't have to exist. They truly didn't. Same thing again with talented and gifted programs. They didn't exist either. You were either in the mainstream courses you would occasionally be offered if you qualified, for a college prep course, quote-unquote, and that didn't prep anybody for anything, certainly not college, and college coursework, let alone anything else in college that goes on. But the talented and gifted programs and the STEM and STEAM and whatever the hell they want to call them programs, what that girl doesn't understand and many parents don't understand is those programs are branches on the tree of feminism. If feminism is the entire tree, just for the sake of argument here, those are the branches. The STEM program was developed to throw and shove and push down women into the science field 
in potentially the engineering field and the medical field. Now, if anybody's done any reading about women in these fields, they tend to be what political persuasion, basically. They're not Republicans. They're not conservatives. They tend to be hard left. Now, one of the reasons for that is because when they consume their time with the sciences, and we need more women in the sciences, again, anybody saying that, that's the offshoot of feminism because that was the whole purpose of feminism. Feminism was created in a boardroom by the Rockefellers for the purpose of taxing women in the workforce and driving a wedge between them, husbands, the nuclear family, having children, and being a homemaker. All of that should make sense because that's what's been going on for quite some time. Hell, it happened with my generation and earlier generations too. But these young generations, that wedge is there. It's destroyed the mind of American youth, in particular girls, to where they grow up not wanting to be homemakers. I want, I want that to sit with everybody for a minute. A woman who does not want to get married to a real man wants to work nine to five, like that movie, nine to five, right? With Dolly Parton and who was it? Lily Tomlin and, uh, uh, hell, um, Jane Fonda, I think. Yeah. You know, the three of them. We're hardworking women. We don't need men around. We can just do it ourselves and we'll run the company ourselves and we'll take out that, that misogynistic asshole and blah, blah, blah. And we'll show him and we'll turn the company on its head and we'll run this whole thing ourselves. Those women were unmarried, no children, and were miserable. They were miserable. This high school girl is going to grow up being a ball-busting, hard left-wing, unmarried, barren, childless, miserable person. And I understand that someone would hear that and say, geez, Sean, that's harsh. No, it isn't. This is the programming that's going on with girls these days. Let me give you another example on the opposite end of that spectrum. My own mother. My mother was a school teacher but wanted to be a mother. Wanted to be a homemaker. And one of her best teachers was her mother, my grandmother. Same thing. Wanted to be a mother. Wanted to be a wife. Wanted to make a home. This is important. This is what this country was built on. Now look what's destroying it. The absence of nuclear families, divorce being normalized, abortion being encouraged, relationships being trivialized and materialized. All of this is destroying our country. And it's starting in the American K-12 school system. And it starts when people have those thoughts and those belief systems reproduce. Because again, typically, those families don't last. And if they do, unfortunately, in her case, again, I can tell the political persuasion of her parents just by listening to her. But that's the bigger problem. It's the complete reduction of the entire nuclear family. Now, me personally, again, that's what I wanted. 
I wanted to get married. I wanted four or five kids. I wanted to produce. I wanted my wife to be a homemaker. That's, that's what I wanted. I wanted my children to be homeschooled. None of that worked out. I don't have any of that. That's because it becomes slim pickings, doesn't it? You look around society and that does, I mean, that's, that's a rarity. It's certainly becoming that way because taxing the female and turning the female into a slave of a cubicle, working in some building around a bunch of like-minded weirdos who all say the same things at the same time and, you know, blah, 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 and do all of that stuff, that, that is corroding our society. Again, this high school girl believing that running track, being in talented and gifted programs, and being in STEM programs is going to lead to her success in the future. If she believes that, she's already lost. She's already gone. Her future has already been planned out by the Rockefellers, and she doesn't even know it. The Kazarian Mafia has her by the back of the neck, leading her around through the Matrix, and then eventually right off a cliff. Again, the, let me examine now the talented and gifted stuff. You've heard me again reference Dr. Tracy Cross's book and the suicide connections with all of that. I met a young couple a long time ago, and, uh, and, and they were you know, of, of school age. They were both high school students, and the girl would consistently say, I, you know, I, I have a boyfriend, but I just don't have time to be around him. I just don't have time. And I remember looking at her and saying, why, why is that? It's summertime. Well, I'm, I'm always taking classes and I'm always in school and I'm in the talented and gifted classes and I'm always, you know, I'm always busy and we have lots of homework and there's just, I, I just need to make sure that my grades are blah, blah, blah. I mean, she sounded like a, a flipping robot. She sounded like, again, a tool of the American K-12 Kazarian Mafia Rockefeller system. Instead of just going and getting an ice cream cone with her boyfriend and, you know, sitting on the hood of their car, having a good time and talking and, and whatever else, I'm saying to myself, Jesus, your life is already over and you're not even out of high school yet. This is what the system in our government is teaching our children. This, in my opinion, and this is my opinion, this is why the American school system needs to cease to exist. It is creating these kinds of people who do not believe in a nuclear family, who do not believe in getting married and being committed, putting God first in their lives, not, not believing in divorce, but disbelieving in divorce. And again, not believing in divorce is a good thing. I understand there are abusive relationships out there, and by all means, but again, these are the major contributors as to why we are seeing numerous declines in the American family. This is why the divorce rate is as high as it is and is occurring within a very small number of years after people get married. They view marriage, many of them unfortunately view it as being some materialistic rite of passage. Oh, I'm a particular age, now it's just time to get married. Well, I mean, are you putting God first in your life? You know, what about your what about your partner? Do you have conversations of an existential nature? Do you talk about life and death? Do you talk about what really matters and what doesn't? I mean, if a man crossed the path of that young girl, and I'm not picking on her, I want to make that abundantly clear. I'm just using her, her mind frame and her clearly verbal testimony there as, as a perfect example. 
you know, that's not attractive to a knowledgeable man. A knowledgeable man would say, that girl's brainwashed. She's married to the school. She's married to the activities. Which means what happens when the school and the activities go away? She's going to look for more school and more activities in some other place. Well, what's that going to be? College. And how's that working out for people? They become more left in college. They become more reckless, more rigid, further away from any, anything that even resembles a healthy relationship, let alone a future nuclear family with healthy children and so on and so forth. It becomes less and less attractive to real American men who know what the hell is going on. It's a brainwashing factory. And she's not the only one. That's, that's the sad part, too, is that she isn't the only one. This is happening across the board, across our country, and it's been happening for generations. And again, this is part of the depopulation program. This is, this is sort of the end game. The end game is, is you drive the wedge consistently between what is innate within human beings, which is to be together in a committed relationship with children for the rest of your lives, God willing, where, again, everybody's providing for the family in one way or another. And I know that that's debatable, but again, I'm old-fashioned, so the man should work. The, you know, the female should raise the children and, and create the home and make, make the home, because it is the woman that makes a home a home. Every, every red-blooded male knows that. That's true. But with that said, again, her mind frame is not one that's going to lead down that path. Her mind frame is going to be one of disappointment, destruction, overworking herself where she doesn't have to, and certainly overworking herself with things that she deems important that, frankly, are not. Again, I, you know, I could also do this. I could go down the line of all of the movies that have existed and, make, and generate a giant list of all of the propaganda-based movies that have existed that have driven women to have that kind of mind frame, just like the kind that that little girl has. Same thing. There have been endless movies over the course of time. Again, the commercials alone would, would indicate, of course, uh, numerous horrible things that are happening in society and, and the destruction of bloodlines and families and and all of that stuff. We know that. But this dates way back. Way back. Again, you used to see nuclear families and, and homemakers and hardworking men and hardworking women within the home and, and raising sound moral children. This is not the norm. This is becoming not the norm. Again, that little girl needs to go home. She needs to st- basically get off of the internet or at least you learn how to utilize the internet for for good reasons she needs to start reading books she needs to homeschool herself because again she can clearly do it she's competent she doesn't know what she's talking about politically speaking but she's competent she can read and write she's literate but she has to understand that she's being manipulated You know, I've been in this system my whole life. I've been in this school district my whole life. Well, what does that mean? What does that qualify her for? The only thing it qualifies a person for now is being brainwashed from cradle to grave. 
certainly from grade 5 through grade 12. My point here is this, again, there is a much larger picture and a much larger scheme at play. That's not a stretch. I hope that what I said makes sense. Because the STEM programs, the TAG programs, the overworking, the false emphasis on it being important, and oh God, I have to have it on a resume, and if it's not on a college application, what will I do with myself? Well, they'll hang themselves because that's what lots of them do because they turn out to be crazy. But the, these are branches on a larger branch or tree of itself that would certainly be feminism, and feminism is a tree in the field of depopulation. End of story. Again, the word feminism was created by the Rockefellers in a boardroom designed to manipulate women. And it worked, didn't it? It worked. For lots of them. But I hear a young voice like that say the things that she's saying. She probably cried when the levy failed. Wrap your head around that one. She'll cry again when it fails this upcoming November. She'll sob, her, she'll sob herself to sleep. That isn't healthy. That's a child who's about to have a serious breakdown. Because they have the world backwards. Because they've been lied to their entire life and they don't even know it. So keep an eye out for things like that. Again, keep an eye out for what for what youth are saying. And for God's sakes, I mean, if you know, if your kid ever came home and started talking like that, shouldn't that be the red flag to pull them out of school? Assuming that again, you have your head on straight and and know what I just said to be a hundred percent accurate. I mean, Jesus, they don't stand a chance. They don't have a snowball's chance in hell. They're going to repeat the same mistakes that their parents made, and so on, and so on, and so on, and then their bloodline is going to be gone. And if they're not already jabbed, well, you know, just <laughs> it's going to be a depopulation thing eventually. The ship can be righted. But it can't be righted if we don't call it out for what it is. Okay, hope you didn't mind that little uh, that little topic right there. But it's it's one of vital importance, I think. And again, you're not going to hear the Tim Pools of the world bring that up, are you? Is Candace Owens going to spend a lot of time on that one? Hard to know. Probably not. Uh, either way, let me mention this, and this is a doozy. Also, this is a little bit juicy, actually. Let me uh, let me set this one up, and I'm going to play the full audio. It's five minutes and 47 seconds long. You're probably now familiar, as I've highlighted this on my show on numerous occasions. This happens to be the school district where my niece and nephew attend. These, uh, again, this school board and this school district in this town are fully brainwashed. There is no doubt about that. This is the Westerville, Ohio uh, Board of Education meeting, and this one took place on August 11th of 2023. Now, I tuned into this one because I watch all of them, but I tuned into this one because it was only five minutes long. And I thought to myself, well, this is strange. What are we about to hear? What, uh, what exactly is going on? Is there an emergency of some kind? And as it turns out, there is. You can even watch this. Uh, you can even watch this online, and I put it on my Gab page too. 
most of the members, except for one of the board members, is are are present. Basically, the one board member who is not present happens to be the one, as I've brought up uh, consistently on my show, and is certainly in my Deadpool. She's jabbed to the bone and is sick all of the time. Uh, a Mrs. Altman is her name, so she's not there, absent per usual. Although she's there sometimes, but either way, um, the setup that this requires is unique. Because this ties in directly to something that I have done and have referenced here on my show regarding a local school board member. But in this Westerville school board meeting, long story short, and again, I'll play the audio, is that one of the board members, a Mrs. Dr. Nestor Baker is her name. She's sitting in the middle on the left of the screen at this table. And the president, who's also a female, is sitting at the head of the table. but. This entire meeting was brought forth because someone has filed an ethics complaint against this school board member, this Dr. Nestor Baker lady. And what's interesting about filing an ethics complaint, which is why this really involves a number of different angles and some analysis here, is that in the state of Ohio, you do not have to tell people as a board or even as an individual, that you are being investigated by the Ethics Commission. The Ethics Commission doesn't even have to tell anybody that you're being investigated except for the person who's actually being investigated. They, of course, have to let that person know. And then the person who's being investigated by the Ethics Commission will usually lawyer up and get a lawyer and make sure that their ducks are in a row and whatever has been alleged is one way or another. Either way, and again, I'm going to play the audio first and then bounce in at the end, but, but there's an interesting thing here that takes place is they claim that they're all about transparency and they want to talk about transparency, and they bring up the fact that Dr. Nestor Baker has both voted for and abstained from voting regarding her own daughter who works in the school district. So there have been votes that have involved her daughter, whether it be, again, a, a different move from building to building or a contract or a position or whatever it is, that there are times when she has abstained from those votes, but then there are times when, as the mother of an employee on the school board, and again, school board members vote for these kinds of things, whether to approve contracts, pay raises, things of that nature, excuse me, is that she actually voted for those things regarding her daughter specifically. That's a big no-no. That's a big no-no. Yes, it's nepotism, no doubt about it, but it is a big no-no. You cannot do that. She should have abstained from every single vote every single time. Again, my take on nepotism is so harsh that I don't think that if you're related to anybody, you should be working in the same building, let alone the same district, and I don't even think married people should be working in the same district. I really don't. Because in essence, it'll back up on them in one way or another and certainly can because it's a blackmailing tool. I mean, imagine one spouse working in a school district and being evaluated one way and then their other spouse is, uh, is evaluated completely different. What if they work in the same building? I mean, I've mentioned these stories before. I used to work with married couples who were in the same buildings. I used to work with individuals who dated each other in the same building. I, I frankly thought it was a bit strange. That's my opinion. Uh, 
you know, but if again, if there's no law against it, so be it. But nepotism can breed serious corruption, without a doubt. And the point is, is that this Nestor Baker gal who sits on the board isn't bright enough to understand that she doesn't have the right, and it's against the law, it's a felony, as you'll hear in a minute, to actually vote for your own family member or vote for a contract approval or a pay raise. Now, this takes a twist, and here's the twist, and this is an odd one too. At the end, when Nestor Baker describes the situation and says, I've lawyered up and I'm going to let the process take its place and blah, 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 across the table is a Mrs. Meyer. This is the gaunt-looking woman who, again, is always railing on the uh, Ohio legislature and, and all the moves that they make, and you can tell that she doesn't like them. But she's railing on them consistently, but in a moment where no one at the, where none of these school board members have to say anything except for the Dr. Nestor Baker gal, this Mrs. Meyer chimes in and looks her in the face and basically says, I'm glad we're being transparent. And you'll hear her say it. She says it better than I am, but she says like, when, immor when immoral behavior takes place, we have, to, we have to deal with it and call it out and whatever. The second she says that, the Nestor Baker looks at her. The Nestor Baker gal looks at her just with daggers for eyeballs. As if to say, how could you embarrass me like that? How could you possibly say that? What the hell is the matter with you? Which brings in this level of analysis here. Given the fact that Ohio ethics commissions don't have to tell anybody that anybody's being investigated except for the person being investigated. Okay? Sometimes they'll tell a board president, sometimes they won't. It begs the question who brought this to the board's attention? Was it Nestor Baker who brought this to the board's attention because she said, hey, look, let's get together and have a meeting and we'll redo some of the votes and I'll abstain from some of the past votes that I participated in, and we'll try to rewrite history as best we can. Uh, yes, I'm being investigated, but I can't speak about it any further than that, blah, blah, blah. Or did a parent on the outside or someone more vigilant, and it wasn't me, I wish I'd have caught this, but I haven't been watching their school board meetings since 2008, so I'm unfamiliar with this, but did a parent or someone who is way, way more vigilant than even they on the school board pay attention to this and know that this was an ethics violation and bring it to someone else's attention who exists on the school board? To then have either that person or that other citizen file the complaint. Because the lesson here is this. They're all liberals on this board. They're all jabbed. and. They're all brainwashed, clearly, that goes without saying, but the liberal snake always eats its own tail. Always. They will always throw each other right under the bus just to curry favor with a few more people. And they have no idea, again, that they're all in the same boat, which means when they do that, their own boat is sinking also. But this is, I mean, this is remarkable. So I'm just going to play the audio here. I'll jump in at the end. I pretty much set up and said the entire thing, but. Give this a listen very quick because, again, it's very unusual that a school district would make such a thing public, but they're trying to get out in front of it because why? Because somebody's going to talk about it on social media because they don't want an evening news related uh, you know, story to get out there and they, they want to somehow get in front of it and, and try to you know, clean it up as quickly as they can. 
Again, you should see the faces of everybody in this room. They all look embarrassed like they don't want to be there. It's astounding. So here's that audio in three, two, one. Okay, we do not have any public comments this this morning, um, which takes us to personnel consent agenda. And I would like to take a couple minutes just to explain why we're here and what we're voting on this morning. So um, according to Ohio ethics laws, board members are not allowed to vote on um, items that impact people that are part of their family. That's one of the pieces. Dr. Nestor Baker has voted on her daughter Kaylee Nestor Baker's one-time payment, a two-year contract, and a three-year contract. We have corrected the three-year contract because it was invalid. We are here to correct the two-year contract and the one-time pay. So in May 2021-2018, uh, or in May 21st, 2018, uh, Kaylee was employed as the gifted coordinator. Dr. Nestor Baker abstained. On that same meeting, she resigned as the instructional coach, and Dr. Nestor Baker abstained. On June 25th, there was a one-time payment. Dr. Nestor Baker voted in favor. On May 20th, 2019, there was a two-year contract. Dr. Nestor Baker moved to adopt and voted in favor. On May 24th, there was a three-year contract. Dr. Nestor Baker abstained. On July 8th, 2022, contract status changed. Dr. Nestor Baker abstained. May 22nd, there was a three-year contract. Dr. Nestor Baker moved to adopt and voted in favor. Um, and then June 9th, a three-year contract, uh, she abstained. So that was the correction there to make the contract valid. In the meantime, the Board of Education has reported the votes to the Ohio Ethics Commission on August 1st. Our board's attorney has advised Dr. Nestor Baker to get her own personal attorney because she is potentially facing a felony. So that's why we are here. Any questions? Comments? Okay. The reason I tell you is I just want to be transparent as we move forward. I do not want any surprises coming. And I do want to make a comment very briefly. Sure. Which is that, yes, I do have legal counsel, and my legal counsel is moving forward on my behalf, as you would expect, and uh, putting forward uh, our own interpretation of what has happened. The Ethics Commission has not in any way ruled on this at all. We are taking the action that the district's attorneys think is necessary to do. But as this goes forward, uh, I am waiting to see what the Ethics Commission decides, and I'm following the advice of my attorneys as this moves forward. As you can see by the recitation that President Davidson made, uh, clearly there were times that I believed it was improper to vote and times that I believed it was proper to vote. So we are waiting for the Ethics Commission and that will take some time. And I wish the process to play out as it should legally. So I just want to appreciate that we're doing this, and I appreciate that we're, you know, we're videotaping this, and that we're being really open with um, the people in our district because I really feel that um, when public officials, you know, take on ethical behavior, it can erode trust. And deep to my core values is integrity and open and honesty. And so I'm really, I 
I find it really hard to prepare. Um, I hear what you're saying that you're going to allow us to play out, and your lawyers are saying differently. But I do think it's important for our district to understand what is occurring. Yeah, I agree. And as we continue to move forward, we will update the community and let them know where we're at um, in a respectful way. We really can't answer any questions. We don't know anything right now. Um, and that's where we're at. And I just want to say thank you to all of you for coming and doing this for us. Um, we appreciate it. So, okay. May I have a motion? Can we do both of them at once, please? Okay. To approve one-time pay licenses August 11th, 2023, and a re-employment for license August 11th, Again, you know, I can't, I can't help but laugh. I just can't help but laugh. The entire situation is just too funny. For endless reasons, first of all, you know for a fact, as do I, and I've brought it up numerous times, is that these people don't know the law. They just don't. You know, they're old, washed-up elementary school teachers or college professors or, or whatever it is that they used to do even if they were, you know, basically ever in the education profession. And you don't have to be to be on a school board. That's beyond evident. But they don't know the law. And they don't know that there are endless laws that they have to follow the moment they become an elected official. Endless laws. That among this one Dr. Nestor Baker gal who sits on the board, you would think that if she has the wherewithal to abstain from particular votes regarding her daughter, but then not abstain and actually vote for particular things that have to that have to do directly with her daughter that she would know better i mean you can't do both you even heard her say it she openly says there were moments when i thought i should abstain and and not vote for things regarding my daughter and then there were things that i thought i should well it doesn't matter <laughs> you can't do both you can't do both of those things Anything that has anything to do with any family member or person that you know, you have to say there's a conflict of interest. Therefore, I'm abstaining. And you can even say that. You could say, I'm sorry, there's a conflict of interest, which is why I'm going to abstain from this vote. It's a very safe play. It's a very safe and legal thing to do. In fact, that's the most ethical thing to do. But she didn't do it. And she openly admitted that she didn't do it. So th there's all of that. There's also this element, again. School board members don't understand that anyone, any citizen of that state can file an ethics complaint against a school board member. Now, yes, it helps if you live within the district. You don't have to work there or send your kids there or even have children. You can, you can file an ethics complaint if you catch someone breaking the law. You can do that anytime you want. And these people don't know that. The people that the, the people themselves that sit on these boards don't know that, and the citizens themselves don't know the power that they can wield. They they just don't know. So when something like this blindsides one of them, again, 
they start to get a very cold reminder that they themselves are not in charge. It's really government. Government's in charge. But again, as, I, as even I said in the last episode, what would draw a person to consistently want to be on these school boards and be a part of these committees? They have to feel like they are useful. Because if they don't have the committee or the group to associate with, they feel inadequate. They feel like they are useless. Because, let's be frank, they are useless. So they just have to consistently associate with these things for which they were once so closely affiliated with, and they can't let it go. Now with that said too, this is a school board that does pay itself. During the COVID pandemic nonsense, they actually snuck in a vote to pay themselves and to compensate themselves. They, of course, all voted for it because who wouldn't? If you're getting all that COVID cash and, well, you can scrape a little off the top for yourselves for a vote, then congratulations, you're now paying yourself. How much do they get paid? I have no idea. Could be five grand, could be less than 10. I'm not sure. Per year for for sitting on uh, sitting on their school board, but either way, it's it's absolutely outrageous. Again, the the hypocrisy of of knowing when she should and should not vote, but did anyway. Uh, you know, they're not the sharpest knives in the drawer. But the comment at the end from the other board member, just throwing her under the bus like that, classic, absolutely classic. And the Dr. Nestor Baker gal, once that other board member made those comments, she looked pissed. Just pissed. Like, how could you turn your back on me? We're in this together. We're all on the same side. See, she's getting a cold, hard lesson in the fact that there are no sides. And when it comes to throwing people under the bus, you'd better believe the group will always, always get rid of the weak link. Now, here's what will happen with the Ethics Commission. It's a variety of things. Number one, if she's found guilty and a county prosecutor actually decides to prosecute her, which, let's face it, there are other things to prosecute. I mean, this is small potatoes compared to other things that, that could exist. But she may end up leaving on her own accord just out of sheer public embarrassment. That could be the first thing. She could stick around just out of spite and say, I'm not going anywhere. I know exactly what I'm doing and blah, blah, blah. Again, I don't like any of these people, so I don't care. <laughs> I don't care what they do. But she has the ability to be fined upwards of, I believe, five, maybe even $10,000. It's not likely to occur. I'd be shocked if it did. It's a first time offense. She's not a chronic lawbreaker, she's just stupid. And, uh, and voted for a family member. Again, it's, it's unethical, but yeah. Um, another option, of course, is that they vacate their position, that they just quit. And they say, I'm resigning under the in advice of my legal counsel. I don't want to bring any distractions to this school district and blah, blah, blah. You know, they'll use all those excuses. It's about putting the students first, and I don't want it to be about me and a mistake that I made and whatever else. They'll say all of that, but you know, she's not going to go to jail. There's no, uh, you know, there's no community service or anything like that. that. That's not how it works. Basically, they will either just encourage her to leave or they will tell her to leave and she won't have a choice. She'll just have to leave. Or again, 
if she's not found guilty of any wrongdoing, which she just admitted it on camera. Okay, there's no denying it. Even the board president openly stated her her voting past and her voting record regarding her own daughter. But essentially, either very little will come from this, or again, she will be forced to resign, and she might have to pay a fine. Uh, yeah. Again, it being a felony, that, that's that's at the high end. That's if you're really voting on lots of people that you know and lots of family members, and you're you're always voting for them to get massive contracts. That shows a serious level of of nepotism that is certainly illegal. I don't think that what she was doing was really done in malice. I'm sure her daughter was qualified, but at the same time, her daughter was going to get hired anyway, even without, even with a no vote, or even with an abstention. If she just said no, I abstain from this vote, you know, whatever else, her daughter would have been hired anyway. So the question now is: is how much is this going to wear on her? Again, will will she resign? as a result of embarrassment, or will she be told to resign from either the people around her and be pressured, or will the ethics board themselves say, hey, look, hit the, hit the bricks. You know, you, you made a bad call here, but it's time for you to go. And again, it also begs the question, is this a political matter? Was she interested in running for school board in the future, and people didn't want her to? So now this is being used as leverage against her and as a sort of a blackmail tool as if to say, we've got you now, we've got you on this, we're going to bring this up. If you ever thought you were going to run again for school board, well, think again, because that's not going to happen. But again, it, uh, it, shows, it shows the nefarious nature of, of the inner workings of the business, but also the outside influence that can exist too. And again, I understand that somebody listening to this would say, well, it's not that big a deal. I don't care. I'm telling you, that is ubiquitous across the entire business. That is the business in a nutshell. They all claim they're all ethical. They all claim they follow the law. And then when one of their own doesn't, they grab that person by the back of the neck, by the back of the pants, and they give them the old heave-ho right under the oncoming bus and splat, brains all over the place, body parts everywhere, and then they go, okay, well, we got rid of that problem, back to where we were, and they use that person as an example, and as a, as a learning, you know, as a learning opportunity, because let's face it, no one on that board knew anything about nepotistic laws in, in the state of Ohio. They knew nothing about this being an ethics violation. Not a thing. But now all of a sudden, they're all experts on it. <laughs> it's astounding. Again, it's hilarious because it could have been any of them, theoretically, but it wasn't. It was this one woman, and now they're making an example and saying that they're holier than thou and uh, unethical behavior has no place here and all this other, other shit. It's ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. So, I don't know. The board meeting is this week, too, which is going to be funny because I'm going to watch that one. I'm telling you. This is, if you're going to watch TV, and I don't, but if you're going to watch TV, this is the television to watch. This stuff is juicy. I think it's just, it's better than a soap opera. Juicy stuff. And speaking of juicy things, get a load of this. Cicely sent this my way. This is from Santa Fe, New Mexico. And it is titled, A Private School in Santa Fe is Closing for the 23-24 School Year. Hmm, why is that? Well, let's give this a listen, and then I'll dive in and read this article, including the statement that was sent to parents. 
Now, I'm going to give you a guess. What are they not going to say is a reason as to why the school is closing? Hmm, what could it be in three, two, one? Scrambling to find a new school for their kids after learning that the Santa Fe Waldorf School is closing. As News 13's Carlos Sosa explains, parents are frustrated with the last-minute announcement. 140 kids are out of school, and they can't, you know, they have weeks to find a new one. The clock is ticking for parents like Jeff to find a new school to send their kids to this fall. Jeff's son was ready to start kindergarten at the Santa Fe Waldorf School in just two weeks. But at the last minute, he learned the school is not opening this year. So, yeah, it was really upsetting news that we found out at the 11th hour. And, and we were kind of forced to sit on our hands for the whole weekend. And it was really upsetting and heartbreaking. Parents got an email from Santa Fe Waldorf School Board of Trustees saying due to unexpectedly low enrollment and because tuition is their main revenue source, they will not open for the 2023-2024 school year. It just contained a lot of uh, information about how they don't have money for the school to continue because they can't meet payroll. And um, they offered no recommendations or help for other schools that were enrolling at the time. On top of that, Jeff says he's still waiting for a refund on their tuition. We only paid for a month and we were out uh, $2,500. Jeff is disappointed in the school. It could have been handled with much more care. But says they will turn their attention to finding a new school. We went toward a couple of schools yesterday. We're touring a couple of schools today. And um, everybody has been so accommodating. Carla Sosa, KRQE, News 13. Now, we did reach out to the school to ask why they closed. They say there were a few reasons like post-COVID inflation and the competition of new local charter schools. We have the full statement at always on krqe.com. COVID inflation. There's a new one. COVID inflation. What next? Monkeys falling out of the sky? Is that going to be the excuse that they use? I mean, I understand. Again, families not wanting to pay into a private school, in particular nowadays, and they just want to go to a charter school that's free. Or they want to go back to a public school, or heaven forbid, they actually homeschool their children and create the best and the brightest. But either way, Ladies and gentlemen, the jab is the element and the variable and the thread that runs through all of this, and they're not saying a single thing. It's not just low enrollment. You don't have enough people working the job anymore. That's kind of a problem. Not to mention, take this into account, private school in New Mexico. I bet they were mask wearers. Which means, what they all do after the mask? Squirt, squirt, squirt? Probably took them all, didn't they? I bet they did. I bet it's not working out too well either. But they're not going to say that. Again, image protection and covering up the truth is priority numero uno for American schools. It does not matter if it's public, private, or charter. The homeschooling family has nothing to hide. They have no political agendas. Well, some of them do, I'm sure. You know, teaching Billy that he needs to cut his genitals off and pretend to be a girl. I mean, that happens in the homeschooling environment 
course, among the crazy people, but you get what I'm saying. So here's the, uh, the, the so-called statement from the school to the parents. It says the following, there is something about a Waldorf school that is a natural fit for Santa Fe, a semi-wild campus with a biodynamic garden, an artistic, musical, and classically ac- academic curriculum, a capable, smart, diverse student body, and a core of dedicated faculty trained in the Rudolf Steiner principles of child development. Ladies and gentlemen, if that doesn't scream that they're all jabbed, I'm not sure what does. It continues. It says, on the cusp of its 14th anniversary, this small private pre-K through 12th grade located on 13 acres at the crossroads of Rabbit Road and Old Pecos Trail finds itself closing its doors. A relentless march of economic factors threw the school into a tailspin, and these were considered and weighted in the Board of Trustees' difficult and heart-wrenching decision. The contributing factors range from the pandemic, there's that old yarn, the uh, subsequent post-COVID inflation, they say, the competition of new local charter schools changing personnel, hmm, why? And then it says, and optimism in the early part of the summer that enrollment would rise to its normal healthy numbers to sustain the school for the upcoming year. Mickey Leach, president of the Board of Trustees, explained, quote, It is such a terrible shock to have had to make this decision. As in the case of most private schools, we are dependent on tuition and have no endowment. To address the low enrollment numbers, we begin with measures such as reducing staff, combining classes, and other budget cuts. But as enrollment continued to decline over the summer, it was clear that those measures were not enough to sustain operations. We are painfully aware that closing so school I'm, I'm sorry, closing so close, it says, to the school year is distressing. Well, it's not distressing for people who, you know, know about homeschooling and have children who can read and write and teach themselves and know about abeka.com and a thousand other things. Either way, I digress. It continues. It says, but we couldn't in good conscience begin the school year knowing that we could not pay our employees. This decision is devastating to the faculty, our families, and our students, especially those who move to Santa Fe specifically for a Waldorf education. Yes, I'm sure. It does continue, actually. There's multiple paragraphs, so I got to keep going because, well, they don't quit. They don't quit here. It says Fletcher Lathrop, if I'm saying that right, probably not, the school's woodworking teacher and a founding faculty member from the school's inception in 1983 added, quote, this is a watershed moment. What we've done is build a Waldorf foundation for a core of amazing students and a wonderful community of faculty and parents. Fletcher is one of two faculty members on the Board of Trustees. He is beloved by students and colleagues. It says one hallmark of a SFWS student is that they look you in the eye when talking. They listen. They are engaged and open-minded and creative and resourceful, and I bet they're jabbed, which is also why you don't have enrollment quite the way it used to be, and of course with a solid foundation in world history and culture. They are taught in a way to foster confidence, intuition, and consciousness, uh, enlivening the mind 
as well as the will, compassion and imagination by using movement, art, and academics is the cornerstone to Waldorf education. Wow, don't they just think highly of themselves? The constant backpatting as the doors are being locked up behind them. Uh, Amazing. Santa Fe Waldorf School alumni have attended Stanford, Wesleyan, Middlebury, Rhode Island School of Design, Berkeley School of Music, among other centers of higher learning. Noses up in the air. Our Waldorf graduates have gone on to obtain master's degrees and PhDs. Some have gone into astrophysics. Well, of course they have. Space shuttle nonsense. All that fake NASA stuff. Engineering, medicine, there you go. Law, finance, public administration, library, science, and culinary, performing, and fine arts. Some live and work overseas, even. Ooh, super important. Said no one ever. Some have returned to Santa Fe to local jobs, even to work at the Waldorf School. Laura Hitt said, quote, As an alum and board member, I'm deeply saddened that our school won't be able to educate children this year. The Santa Fe Waldorf School was a formative part of my life and continues to be close to my heart. I remain optimistic about a future iteration of a Waldorf school in our town. Communications Director Janine Pearson. Good God. Ah, it's the jabs. It's just the jabs. It's the lower interest. It's the lack of legal qualified people who want to be school teachers, and it's the jabs. It can't get clearer, but they aren't going to say it because it implies direct fault. They are to blame for their own collapse. They will always be to blame for their own collapse. There's no avoiding it. Speaking of jabs, a couple of headlines here. Pilots, pilots who were jabbed, continue to drop. There were a couple of stories this past week. One flight from one place to Tokyo or something, London to Tokyo. Pilot dropped. Another flight, again, pilots dropping. It just, it continues to occur. Uh, High school basketball player, star dead at 17 after collapsing during a workout. Caleb White. But don't worry, he averaged over 20 points per game last season in Alabama. So you know that matters. But he's dead and the parents are baffled. They can't understand why this would happen. Well, I have a question. No offense, but you know, I have a question. There's this too. This is from Just the News. Uh, The FDA now says, hey, you can give ivermectin to people and use it as a part of a COVID protocol. How many people has the FDA killed since saying don't use ivermectin and having pharmacists and doctors not prescribe ivermectin to only have people try to find ivermectin on the black market on the internet without a prescription and sometimes with to obtain it to save their life, the life of their friends, family members, and oops, just like that, the FDA now says Ivermectin's allowed. You can ask for ivermectin and your doctor will give it to you. Know your enemy, ladies and gentlemen. Know your enemy. And if you find your way, for some ungodly reason, back to your doctor, make sure you throw it right in their face. That they should have been giving ivermectin the entire time, and oh look, they could have done it, but they were afraid to lose their license. And see, the FDA is doing this. Why? 
Why all of a sudden now are they doing it? Because endless doctors have lost their licenses or had their licenses suspended for prescribing ivermectin, among countless other things. And they're losing doctors. The profession of being a medical doctor is on the decline, just like countless other things are. Not just because of a suspended or missing medical license now or revoked medical license, but because they're jabbed. And that's not going well for them. Speaking of that, Dr. Sherry Tenpenny this past week, with Tom Rents being one of her lawyers, um, had her medical license suspended. I'm not sure for how long, a couple of years, maybe if I had to take a guess. I didn't watch I didn't watch the entire the entire interview, but here's what I know. This is not new. This kind of thing is not new just not just in the medical profession, but even in the education profession. Suspending a license because you do what is right. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the voice of a guy who had his license suspended in Florida for doing the right thing and doesn't have one in Ohio for doing the right thing. This is not a new thing. This is not a new game that these government bureaucrats play. That's why they don't care what you've done. They don't care the lives you've saved. They don't care about the things that you know. They don't ask you these things because they don't want to know. Because it makes them look dumb, makes them look like they're useless paper pushers, which they are. But the licensure and the certification always is held above the head of the person who holds it, because that's the key. And if you don't have it anymore, well, you're out of a job. That's the way that that goes. But listening to Tenpenny talk about it again, bless her heart, but she sounds rather naive. I don't know why they would do this. I I just don't know why they would do this. I mean, is it because I spoke out about you know the the, the shots and I stood up for what people were? Oh well, yeah, yeah. It's all that. It's all that. You were doing the right thing. And they don't have to do what's right. And they don't have to do what's constitutionally sound. Again, they were complaining about, her and Tom Rents were complaining about due process. I didn't get to face my accuser. I didn't get to, I didn't get to figure out who filed a complaint against me. Sherry, Dr. Tenpenny, with all due respect, everyone on the left of the proverbial aisle in the state of Ohio probably filed a complaint against you. Because that's all it takes. That's it. And then, of course, they chalked it up to the reason that they suspended it was because she wasn't responding to the board's requests for response when clearly she had, and she says that she had, and her lawyers said she did, but it doesn't matter. Medical boards are corrupt, just like legal boards are corrupt, just like school boards are corrupt. Department of Education is corrupt, health departments at the county level are corrupt, and so on and so on. There has to be a complete cleansing. It's, it's the only way. Abolition, not reform, ladies and gentlemen. Abolition. That's the way forward here. Because it's the medical boards, just like other boards, again, education boards, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. These are the boards that protect endless people. But with those boards gone, with the licensure gone, with the certification parameters gone, a naive person might say to themselves, well, that means that a murderer can just keep being a doctor everywhere. No, we have the internet. If a doctor kills a patient, we're going to find out because somebody's going to charge that doctor with a crime. 
So if they're not in jail for the things that they do, just like a school teacher isn't in jail for the things they do, you can't escape the internet. The internet is always there. A doctor can't have a practice if they've killed people. Just like a school teacher can't be a school teacher if they've had sex with students. I mean, in a perfect world, yeah, that would certainly be the case where the, they wouldn't be employed. But with the internet the way that it is, these people can't escape. You don't need medical boards. You don't need teaching certificates. For God's sakes, it's just, it's bureaucracy to the nth degree. But it just continues. We have to abolish these things. These things just have to be abolished. The same thing is happening, I might add, in the military. I mentioned the pilots earlier. Education profession, medical profession. We know the same thing is happening in the military. Now you have ex-military individuals suing because they were, they were either forced to take the shots and got injured or they, they were forced to leave and were honorably or dishonorably discharged because they wouldn't take the shots. I mean, this slow roll and this slow forgetting of the mass murder that's just taken place blows me away. And unfortunately, it's going to continue to happen. I sure hope this doesn't get memory hold. I really, I really hope it doesn't happen. Endless people need to swing for this. Because endless people have killed endless people. But, yeah. This particular guy again, a John Frankman, previously served as a captain in the U.S. Army's 7th Special Forces, voluntary, voluntarily separated from the Army due to struggles that he encouraged because he refused to get the mandatory COVID-19 vaccine. Uh, not a vaccine, bioweapon. Couple more stories here. Um, one, one here from the expose. Very quickly, Fauci lied. It says, shocking. One hundred and twenty thousand children died. Secret CDC report confirms hundreds of thousands of youngsters died suddenly in the USA following the rollout of the COVID nineteen vaccine. Rather lengthy, as you would expect, but there it is. Um, there's this too. Also awful, and what do you know? They're not going to admit why. This is this was sent to me by a listener of the show. Also, uh, the Epoch Times, Los Angeles County ends the COVID vaccine mandate for healthcare workers. Weird. Doesn't that mean that all of the healthcare workers that are working there now who took the jabs shouldn't they feel duped? Shouldn't they feel tricked to death now? Because now, well, anybody can work there now and you don't need the shots. What a workplace environment that must be. What a healthy workplace environment that must be. The jabbed and the unjabbed, just walking past each other on a constant basis. What could possibly go wrong? Absolutely nuts here. Let me read through this really quickly. Again, these workplace dynamics... You talk about a sociological, live, longitudinal experiment that just continues to take place here at face value. Wow. What a, what a nightmare. It says healthcare workers in Los Angeles County are no longer required to get a COVID-19 vaccine or wear masks, despite a recent increase in cases. The public health department has announced. <laughs> You'd think I was making that up. That's the first paragraph. That's the first paragraph. 
The county's health officer, Barbara Ferrer, rescinded the vaccination requirement August 4th, nine days after the Federal Centers for Medicine and Medicaid Services lifted the national mandate. It says, quote, the COVID-19 vaccine will no longer be required for workers in healthcare settings. However, healthcare workers are encouraged to be fully up to date on COVID-19 vaccines. The Los Angeles County Department announced in a press release. Just keep killing them. Workers can also stop wearing masks after August 11th. Through, uh, it says, though, the health department still encourages workers to do both if they work in hospitals, nursing homes, or care facilities. Quote, at this time in the pandemic, the following, I'm sorry, and following the state of California lifting mask requirements in healthcare facilities, we are allowing hospitals and healthcare facilities to create policies that tailor to their needs. A spokesperson for the Los Angeles County Department of Health told the Epoch Times in an email, quote, we know many facilities will opt to keep masking. Oh, yes. And many of them will also continue to force the jabs. Since the county's vaccine mandate for most healthcare workers went into effect two years ago in August of 2021, Los Angeles County continued enforcing vaccine and mask mandates five months after California ended its statewide emergency and canceled the orders on April 3rd. And then they couldn't help themselves. It says new variant arrives. The World Health Organization identified EG.5 as the newest variant of the virus. No, no, that's not it. With China and the United States reporting the most cases of the strain. Watch out, everybody. Uh, the fakery is just embarrassing. In Los Angeles, the variant was attributed to about 7% of cases, according to the county health department. And it just keeps going on and on and on. All right, I'm done with that one. Wow. Wow. What a working environment. And what a nightmare. What an absolute nightmare. Let me end on a positive, shall we? Got a great email here from Paula in Canada, former truck driver, friend of the show, friend of mine, and former guest as well. She has a quick little health update and a little tip for everybody, and she's 100% right. I do this myself, and it works. Intermittent fasting, ladies and gentlemen. She said the following, quote, Hi, Sean. Just started intermittent fasting on June 21st, and the results have been amazing. I was so happy to hear that you are aware of fasting and living the lifestyle as well. When I researched the science behind intermittent fasting, I thought it was too good to be true, but I have come to realize that it is probably the most important tool to use for health. The discovery of autophagia or autophagy during fasting is proven science and an anti-inflammatory properties are amazing. The anti-inflammatory properties are amazing, she said. She said, I heard about intermittent fasting from three different sources within a span of a week, and I took it as a sign that the universe was trying to send me a message. My blood pressure has always been low, but I was plagued with headaches for three days in June and decided to check my blood pressure, and it was high for me. I started lightening my fasting, I'm sorry, lengthening my fasting window and skipped breakfast the next day. By day four, I was practicing one meal a day, quote-unquote, and feel great. I'm always concerned about the shedding, 
and feel that the autophagy that happens during the fast can only help. The health benefits in this short time span have been amazing. Exclamation point. My blood pressure is back to normal. My headaches are gone. My plantar fasciitis in my left foot is gone. My allergies are almost completely gone. My sleep in now is now amazing, and I have lost weight, 8 pounds, already without being hungry. My husband has been on blood pressure medicine for 20 years and has had to stop taking it. He was plagued with inflammation in his knees and ankle to the point where he struggled to use the steps without pain. Within four days, he realized that he was using the stairs normally without pain and has lost 10 pounds as well. That's awesome. She continued and said, I'm 58 years old and he's 66. And we truly believe that this is the easiest way to fight aging and stay young. Super good news, without a doubt. That is awesome. She said this too. She said, quote, the two books that I read on the subject on fasting were the first one, The Obesity Code by Dr. Jason Fung and Fast, Feast, Repeat by Jen Stevens. She said, I have been listening to Jen Stevens' podcast episode from 2018 to present and find it curious that there was mention from the mainstream media that intermittent fasting is not good. Well, then there you go. (laughs) If they say it's not, then it is. It says, I guess that the tremendous health benefits from fasting interferes with the depopulation agenda. There you go. She said, I would love for your listeners to discover the benefits of fasting since we need all the armor we can find. Thanks for all that you do, Sean Paula, unquote. Paula, awesome email. Thank you for sending it. Awesome news for you and your husband. I hope Stacy and Damien are well as well, and I hope everybody up there is doing okay. Uh, Yeah, there you go. Intermittent fasting, ladies and gentlemen, it's a real thing. But excellent news all the way around, without a doubt. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening, and I will catch you on Wednesday. Peace. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.